0: Here, and if you're listening online, you've, you've been to dozens and dozens of Good Friday services. Uh, for for other, others of you, maybe this is your first. Uh, this is your first event, your first Good Friday service at a church, and, and it's new for you. But for all of us, this night presents us with an opportunity to reflect on, a, on a, an enormous paradox of extremes. And that paradox is majesty crucified. Majesty, Jesus, crucified. It's it's the heart of Good Friday. So to get at what is meant for us through the death of Jesus Christ, we're focusing tonight on what it meant for Jesus himself. What Good Friday was actually like for him. What did he go through that night? When he was tried and beaten and mocked and crucified on this first with over 2,000 Good Fridays to come. And my hope is that as we briefly go through this tonight, the result would be, as you and I understand the depth of the sufferings of Jesus, that it will help us understand the depths of the love of Jesus. But I don't think we can get to the latter if we don't walk through the difficulty of the former. In a world that's filled more and more with dangers and terrorism and chaos and threats and trouble, this this night, this Good Friday is the divine solution to all of it. We can look for it in a lot of different places. We can look for it in others making solutions for us. And really, there's only one divine solution. Psalm 22 is a psalm of David, but it's also a messianic psalm, a a psalm that literally speaks to the coming Messiah. So I want to start with Psalm 22, verse 1. This will all be up on the screen. You can just follow along. Psalm 22, 1, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me from the words of my groaning? Now, David wrote the psalm, but you also know that Jesus quotes this psalm on the cross. And in that, we learn that Jesus is the ultimate fulfillment of this Davidic psalm. This is why we call this psalm messianic. But I want to invite you tonight to dwell on a single word, one word, both tonight and even tomorrow, right up until Easter morning, and that one word is forsaken. It's not a word that we use very often in the English language. It's certainly not one that you probably used today unless you were speaking of Jesus. But you see, the word forsaken has enormous implications For both you and I. Not just for eternity's sake, but for here and now. On the cross, Jesus Christ absorbed the wrath of God on behalf of everyone. He carried the full weight of our sin. So that on the cross, God the Father turned his back literally on God the Son. So that he'll never have to turn his back on you and I. He abandoned his son so that he never ever will abandon you and me. Jesus became the ultimate sacrifice on Good Friday so that you and I could be referred to as his beloved. It's an amazing fact. But it all meant that Jesus had to be forsaken. Most notably, we see it when he cries out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? So tonight, I want to invite you to ask a few questions. I want you to ask, what was it like for Jesus that Good Friday? What did he go through? Well, let's keep reading. Let's jump down to verse 11, we're actually going to go through verse 18, and it starts with this. Be not far from me, for trouble is near, and there is none to help. Many bulls encompass me, strong bulls of Bashan surround me. They open wide their mouths at me like a ravening and roaring lion. I am poured out like water and all my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. It is melted within my breast. My strength is dried up like a potsherd and my tongue sticks to my jaws. You lay me in the dust of death for dogs encompass me. A company of evildoers encircle me. They have pierced my hands and my feet. I can count all of my bones. They stare and they gloat over me, and they divide my garments among them. And for my clothing, they cast lots. Tonight, we're going to allow the scriptures to describe what it was like for Jesus. We're not going to look at the culture, we're not going to look at present day, what was going on over there. We're just going to allow the scriptures to speak to us because what we have here in these passages is unbelievable. What we have here in these passages is a mystery. What we have here is what some call an enigma because when you look at verse 16, you see the writer stating, they pierce my hands and my feet. And then in verse 17, he describes his frame being so brittle, so broken and frail that all of his bones are exposed and they're out of joint and they're breaking. But friends, listen, this didn't happen to David. None of this happened to David, the writer of this psalm. This psalm, is describing an execution. Not an illness, not a sickness, not a struggle, not a bad day, but an execution. Fascinating enough, scholars and theologians firmly believe that this portion of the psalm is given through the prophetic power of the Holy Spirit describing the words of Jesus, the feelings of Jesus on the cross that night exact words that were given to David a thousand years before Jesus' crucifixion. This is what we have and what we refer to as a gift. It's a peek behind the curtain, insight into the emotions and thoughts and, and feelings of Jesus on that critical night. This is an actual description of what it was like for Jesus to be crucified. The agony, this suffering, the torture, the offering of oneself in Jesus, in his own words. Eight verses of it, but powerful verses. So I want to go back really briefly and, and walk through and answer that question of what was it like for Jesus, the majesty. To be crucified, to be forsaken. In verse 11, Jesus states his utter loneliness. It says that there's no one to help, not one, not a single person to help him. Jesus Christ, in his suffering and in his crucifixion, became the most lonely person in human history. the one who had access to all of the angelic armies at the tip of his fingers and could call out angelic choirs to come upon him, was alone, without one. Then in the next few verses, verses 12 and 13, it describes the bulls and the lions that surround him. These are metaphors of describing the the evil and the anger and the torture and the hatred and the abuse that surrounds him. He he describes his, his experience of that which a lion is literally tearing the flesh of its victim. And that's the closest thing that he can get to describe what he's going through. And then we come to verse 14, a vivid picture of the totality of his pain where every bone is broken or out of joint and describes complete and total exhaustion and defeat. And then he says that his heart has turned to wax. It's it's literally melting with emotion. We read in the Gospels that as Jesus entered into Jerusalem on that Palm Sunday, he rode in with tears. His emotions literally breaking his heart for what was about to happen. Breaking his heart for what it was going to cost. And here, his heart continues to melt. This is a description of the enormous toll that it's taking on Jesus emotionally and mentally. The pain, the emotional agony of being separated from God. And anything that comes with God, anything that's good, anything that's pure, anything that's filled with peace or kindness is gone. And he's alone. And his heart is dying. Majesty, crucified. And then in verse 15, we're told that the dehydration he was experiencing was fatal. He describes it as a potsherd, that is, broken pieces of pottery. And it feels to him like the broken pieces of pottery are sticking to the roof of his mouth. That's what the roof of his mouth feels like. And when he says, you lay me in the dust of death, Jesus tells us that he is very keenly aware that he's dying. He's with it cognitively. He's with it physically. He's still very, very sharp, and he knows in this moment he's dying. He saw it. He understood it. And he felt every single minute of the pain. Jesus didn't die in hospice. He didn't die in a nice warm bed surrounded by family and with singing songs and loved ones. He didn't die in the comfort of his own home with pain-altering drugs. He didn't die in the arms of, of a spouse. He died horrifically, on a cross, alone. And then finally, in verses 17 and 18, Jesus describes a naked humiliation of being exposed and having his clothes taken from him and sold. This is what good friday was for jesus and reading this recounting the story allowing the facts to absorb within us it it is it is as close as we can get to of, of being on holy ground so the question is why why is this here why did God include this to give us a glimpse into the pain of Jesus in the scriptures? Because this is intimate stuff. This is difficult stuff to read, to hear. At times, it feels unbearable. And the reason is because including this insight to the depths of of Jesus' pain and suffering, we get an idea, a glimpse, into the depths of his love, his unrelenting love. And it's given, not just as, as an answer to prophetic words that were given a thousand years later, but it's given so that when you wonder if Jesus Christ really cares about you, When you wonder if he even notices you or if God even knows what he's doing or when you feel lonely and afraid, when you struggle of of feeling unloved and when you wonder if there's any hope whatsoever in this crazy, chaotic world, I want to invite you to go back to these eight verses. And there's your answer. You see, no one loves you. No one loves me like Jesus. No one cares about your world, cares about my world, cares about the details of your life like Jesus. In this psalm, in this we see how much God hates sin and the extent that he would go to to defeat it and to save us. We see in these verses the way that Jesus was treated was what we deserve so that one day when we see God face to face, we will be treated as Jesus deserves. We switch. And if you look in the mirror, you realize... What a costly switch that is. Divine majesty crucified. And finally, one last verse, verse 31. Verse 31 says this. They shall come and proclaim his righteousness to a people yet unborn, that he has done it here we discover in this final verse of this messianic psalm the appropriate response of Christ's love for you and me and the answer is we don't exist for ourselves it's not about us we exist for others we have a mission and it has nothing to do with our needs it has nothing to do with if my needs are being met it has nothing to do with my agenda It doesn't even have anything to do with whether or not I've blown it or not. Whether it was a good day or a bad day. Our mission, according to the scriptures, is to proclaim the word of God. To announce God's salvation. To generation after generation after generation after generation. But I want to look at the very last line of this psalm. And we discover what that message is. That forgiveness and and righteousness, it isn't something we've accomplished. It isn't something that we merit. We've not obtained it. He has done it. God has done it. God has obtained it. God did it. And he gives it to us. And it is Jesus Christ. David, he cries out, he has done it. Jesus on the cross cries out, it is finished. What we can't do for ourselves, God has done for us. Jesus is poor so that you can be rich in your heart. Jesus is broken so that your heart can be healed. Jesus is judged so that your heart can be forgiven. It's done. It's finished. It's dark. And it's sad. But it's finished. As Isaiah the prophet so graphically describes, He was crushed. And this, friends, is the message of Good Friday. His majesty crucified. If anything, Good Friday is a message of hope. It's a message of wonder, and it's an extreme message of love. And my prayer is that this act of our Lord Jesus, be the most precious thing that you carry in your heart tonight. This, this most priceless act that you would carry with you everywhere you go. The majesty of Christ, crucified. It's Good Friday, and we remember. Let's pray together. So, Lord Jesus, we pause for a moment. It just doesn't make sense to us the extent that you would go. And so, in a lot of ways, this is a, a difficult night to, to wrap our minds around, to even know how to respond other than thank you. It just seems not enough. And so I pray that uh, in that quietness, in that contemplation, in that prayer time, in that worship, in our reflection, you'd meet us, give us perspective, that your majesty was crushed, that your majesty was crucified, to give us hope that Sunday's coming.